Hey guys, in this week's episode, we bring in Adam Butler, who's the Wild Turkey Program Coordinator for the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. We have had so many questions sent in this year regarding concerns with the turkey population, the season dates, the bag limits, the new harvest reporting program. Adam so generously decided to come in and educate and answer all of these topics. And lastly, Father's Day is right around the corner. And if you want to get your dad the perfect gift, then head on over to Primos.com and check out the Primos Custom Mill Shop. You can go in there and design your own custom engraved box call and have it shipped right to your door. So again, check that out at Primos.com. That being said, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Speak the Language podcast. Uh, today we have, we actually, we talked about doing this last week because last week the episode, uh, Jordan and Troy and myself, we talked about kind of wrapping up our turkey season here and we started talking about you know, some of the turkey questions we've been asked, and I said I need to get someone that's more knowledgeable than us three. So yeah. we have uh, Mr. Adam Butler here with us today. Um, one, thank you for coming here. I know you you probably got a lot more important things to do than come hang out with us. <laughs> no, man, there's nothing more important than talking turkey. Yeah, well, we agree. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so before we just dive into it, can you just kind of quickly go over what you do um, for the, sure. for the so, department? Sure. Um, Again, I'm Adam Butler. I'm the Wild Turkey Program Coordinator for the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks. So I, I feel like I kind of had the greatest job in the world and get to oversee sort of all things turkey for our agency. Mm -hmm. So that may be uh, varies from day to day. You know, we've got a, a, a several different ways that we kind of monitor the population, mm -hmm. whether that be, you know, this year, the, the game check, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got some hunter surveys that we do and brood surveys in the summertime, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, assisting private landowners trying to develop habitat, we do that. Um, working with our university partners on turkey research, that can occupy a lot of time. Mm -hmm. um, and then a lot, of, a lot of this kind of stuff, you know, a lot of um, trying to educate the public, educate right. hunters on how to do a better job conserving that yeah. resource. Um, so this is only I think this is only the second time I've ever done a podcast. You know, okay. we got, we've got the Mississippi Outdoors radio right, show, yep, you know, yep. on Mondays. Is it still called Listen to the Eagle? But no, that was that's something different. You know, that, that, was, that was the uh, oh, that was Paul Ott show yeah. on uh, Monday nights. We do uh, we're on uh, with JT. Oh, gosh, on, right. on Monday on Super at, at noon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some, somehow I got roped into to doing that <laughs> and being that guy every Monday. So, but. It, this is better because this is turkey. The, yeah. the Monday show can be kind of all different things, yeah. you know. Yeah, if, I to, if I had to pick, I would rather be yeah, talking turkey. I've caught parts of it before when I'm going through yeah. here and there. But. Yeah. My dad listens to it some. I know that. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, well, I won't say this is definitely – supposed to be a turkey centralized podcast but me and jordan have been known to chase a rabbit hole here and there but we'll try our best to keep it well, keep right. it focused well, it, it's usually chasing a rabbit down a turkey hole so we're, yeah, yeah that's well true. It, it's easy it's easy for me because i man I, I i always tell people i was a turkey hunter way before i was ever a turkey yeah. biologist right. you know I, I grew up grew up as far back as i can remember turkey hunting so yeah. it's always been special to me but where are you from originally uh, i am originally from silver creek mississippi okay. um so I, I guess that's a about an hour and a half or so south of Jackson, okay. um, kind of down in the Piney Woods part of our state, mm -hmm. and um, you know grew up turkey hunting down there. That part of the state, you know, back when I was a kid in the '80s, had a, a lot of birds, mm -hmm. and uh, so I feel really blessed to have kind of grew up around a lot of turkeys and um, a lot of good turkey hunters. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, let's just let's just dive straight into it. Um, going like just right off the bat, probably the most. I know at least talked about here. I mean, we talked about it a lot here just with us in the office and then folks that we talked to between friends and sending in questions is a lot. We heard a lot of talk about the new harvest reporting system. Mm -hmm. 
a lot of like you know what was the you know why was that put in place what was the purpose of it you know just that kind of deal so sure so you know every state treats um their wildlife regulations a little bit differently so there's no one right or wrong way to do that um, but here in Mississippi, until this year, we've never had a, a direct way of assessing the harvest. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not true to say that we we have had no idea what the turkey harvest has been. It's just we had to kind of backdoor our way into it using surveys and statistics, sort of after the fact. And and you know that has um, th- th- there's nothing wrong with doing that. I mean, statistically, you can get a number that you have some confidence in, but it has a, a, a certain biases associated with it. Right. So in our case. Uh, we were primarily only able to survey licensed hunters. And so like a lot of states, we know we have a lot of exempt hunters that, you know, don't have to buy a license for one reason or mm-hmm. another, over 65, under 16. Yeah, I think um, my dad pays like $10 for a hard, right. hard copy or something, and he's right, good right. to go. So those those individuals were not accounted for in our old survey methodology. And then to me as a biologist, probably the the, the more meaningful uh, way the old method fell short uh, was that we would come up with a, a, a statewide estimate, and I feel like that I feel like I have some confidence in that statewide estimate. Mm-hmm. But you know, turkey populations vary dramatically yeah. uh, from place to place, right. e- even yeah. within our own state. And so, the the survey we were doing just did not have the sample size and the power to really get good um, mm-hmm. good estimates at kind of the local level, at the county level. And, you know, that's where it's most meaningful. That's where you can really see what's what's going on. Yeah. Um, it's just sort of right out your own back door. And so um, that was one of the biggest shortcomings of the, the previous way we did things. So moving to a system where hunters were required to report their harvest, which a lot of states do. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head as we were preparing for that regulation rollout and, um, you know, making that recommendation to our commission. You know, we, we looked at what other states do and, mm-hmm. At some point, I, I had had a number, you know, how many states do yeah. some form of harvest reporting. Uh, bottom line is most every other state was doing some combination of either, you know, tag, mm-hmm. uh, had to report your harvest, or you had to do both. Yeah. And uh, Mississippi and, and a couple other states were the only ones that weren't. Yeah, so as, we As much as we travel, I mean, just about every state right, we go right, to. Yeah, it's some sort of tag yeah. or something. Right, yeah. right. Come back so, home to Mississippi, like, ooh, this is easy. <laughs> <laughs> right. So... Um, that that was sort of the impetus for it to allow us to get um, better, more timely data uh, that would be able to scale down to kind of the local county level to yeah. look at harvest. And we know it's not perfect. You know, we we, we know we're not going to have 100% of people complying right off the bat with that yeah. regulation, but it's a step in the right direction. I think the for main us. thing people just don't understand what it's for. Right, I mean, right. In my mind, is to protect the turkeys. You were trying to figure out what to do for them. Yeah. Right. That's right. That's right. I mean, that, you know, I, I'm I'm very proud of being a biologist because i feel like ultimately yeah. that's that, that's all that i do comes back to promoting wild turkeys and wildlife and yeah. making sure that they're going to be around so I, I know hunters in the field you know sometimes may not always feel that way about a certain yeah. regulation but you got to keep in mind the, the bigger picture yeah. yeah a lot of them are just like i mean i've heard it from several people they don't need to know what i'm killing yeah you know but it's not just because they want to know what you're killing they want to know what yeah. the overall health of the turkey population that's right and that's you know one of the main reasons that i wanted to have you on here because i think a lot of times when people have you know complaints or problems with the new with a new thing like that it's just you know lack of understanding why it's there right and when i heard about that that was coming down the you know the pipe the new harvest reporting i was excited about it because i'm like that's just going to be a better way for you know you guys the professionals right. to understand what's going on 
to you know help us have more wild turkey in the future yeah, right and for turkey hunters you know we've we, our agency has surveyed our hunters for a long time asking their opinions on different things and turkey hunters have historically been you know really really supportive of that idea way mm-hmm. more if we compare turkey hunters to deer hunters there's a lot more support amongst turkey hunters for it uh in the most recent survey we did we did an online survey last summer yep. and it was like 73 74 percent of turkey hunters were in favor of moving into some kind of system like that yep. and i think a big part of that is sort of like uh, you guys insinuated just a second ago you know a lot of turkey hunters go out of state mm-hmm. to turkey hunt I, I would say turkey hunters are probably the more uh traveling of all the different hunter groups you i know, would think so it's well, pretty you know it's pretty easy that you know you can go to a, a midwestern state and have a really good hunt on public land or something yeah. like that and not spend a whole lot of money yeah, to do that so you gotta less yeah. than four hundred dollars yeah. for the most expensive tag out yeah. there yeah versus you know drawing a elk tag out west yeah. or yeah a, then you're you looking know, at a deer couple, hunt in yeah. illinois or something like that you're you looking know, in the thousands a, yeah. when you do right, that right, right right so a lot more people do it and because of that i think they're a lot more familiar with that system because yeah. other states do yep. and other states do different different ways but you know ultimately <laughs> you can you can probably go hunt five states for turkeys for the same price you can go hunt deer somewhere you know right That's probably it. so um so did you you know after i mean it may be two early after the season but you know like you, the system as far as the harvest reporting go are you you know happy with you know does it seem like there's been a lot of compliance with it or well we're going we have not yet um estimated the compliance i mean we know it was not 100 percent. Right. talking to other states you know we had our expectations set on that uh, but what i'm most proud of is that we really didn't have any kind of major technical issues or complaints right. you know yeah. and that the I'll, I'll tell you guys this uh so our season here in mississippi opened on a what was it a friday this year the friday and uh look i'm gonna go turkey hunting on opening day right you know Uh that's uh there's not been many opening days in my life that i've missed but i didn't go this year i i i I stayed in the office opening day because i wanted to be there in the office the day the new system rolled out and took effect because if there was going to be a hiccup i wanted to be there to help oversee it you know and help make sure that our our customers our hunters in the field were 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 taken care of and probably my proudest career moment was it was crickets man i mean it was yeah. opening day you know we're sitting there watching the number as it as it increased and no calls into the office nobody yeah. saying hey i can't get this to work or you know this this is not functioning properly or whatever it was just we yeah. we watched that harvest number well, ratchet good. up and nobody was calling in complaining so yeah, I, I feel I, like that part of it the rollout was yeah, done well I, I killed one i think it was it was first week. First week of the season. Mm-hmm. And I got on there. I was like, well, you know, I'm to try this new thing out. And it was, I mean, it was seamless. I just yeah. do, 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 you I know, got there. to try it out at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that app, the, the app was really the way to go. I, I yeah. learned a lot. I'm not a, um, by, by far, not mm-hmm. a computer uh, programmer or developer. So we had to work with some of those kind of people with that expertise to do it. So I learned a lot of new terminology. <laughs> I, I sat there <laughs> and the watched, development of that app. I watched Will Primo do it without a hiccup. So I know anybody can do <laughs> that, it. That alone could be, yeah, if Will can do it yeah. on his iPhone, then anyone can. <laughs> he's one, he's, and he'll tell you that well, himself. I appreciate that. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. He gets his magnifying glasses out, you know, and pulls it up there, gets it a foot away from his face, and he's tapping it with his index finger and got it done. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, you know it's not hard if he, if he can do it so yeah so before but before we move on to another topic like i i feel like we've let you know put our feelings for it already but i'm i'm all for that new system i think it's going to do nothing yeah, but yeah, good for us that. yeah I, I love it i want 
I want to hear turkeys gobbling every chance I can, and if that's going to help them reproduce and make more, I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. um, so the next question that that we heard a lot, and this is probably more on on the negative side of things, more so we heard had a lot of folks like, man, I, the, the turkey numbers just seem down. Mm -hmm. They just seem like they're down. And that wasn't just in Mississippi. We right. heard that from Alabama and then, you know, through all the – the social media outlets we have, you right. know, people from Midwest, from, you know, all over the place. I just don't, you know, turkey numbers seem down. And so that kind of, I guess, got snow, not snowball, but rolled in with, is that why they're doing this new harvest system? Is that because numbers are lower? You know, there was a lot of, I guess, yeah. worry about that. I mean, but we, not, we ran into that personally, too, because despite, I mean, me and you both are public land warriors, try to be much mm -hmm. as we can, and I just couldn't find any turkeys. Right. I just put i think 18 miles on my boots first weekend and mm. never cut a gobbler track so right i just well i mean that that's a that's a subject i think about daily guys right. I, I really do um so it, it depends on how you want to look at it i mean in one sense you know there there's more turkeys across this yeah. country today than there probably has been in a hundred years i mean mm -hmm. you know right. you, you probably don't know if we want to go into the whole restoration of, yeah. of the wild turkey and I'm, I'm going to assume most of the listeners are aware of that and kind of mm -hmm. where we've come from so in one sense you know our our populations across the united states are astronomically higher today than they would have been 40 years ago right. 50 years ago um but if you start dialing in um like i said earlier just just about mississippi you know that's not the case across the board um, so if you look at the southeast just you know what i'm most familiar with um you know, there's some states that are that are still really, really mm -hmm. filthy with turkeys. I mean, you look at the central part of Tennessee. Um, you know, Kentucky was not that long off of setting record harvest. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's places in the south that, you know, are still really high populations and much higher than they have been in decades. But even within some of those states, you start looking, you know, there's parts of Tennessee that are starting to mm -hmm. starting to uh, you're starting to hear some some things about uh, in Mississippi. You know, I'm I'm really proud to be a, a not just the, the biologist here, but also a Mississippi turkey hunter. I feel like you know our, our turkey hunting roots really really run yeah. run mm -hmm. deep. Um, so in our state, there's parts of our state that are still doing really really well. Right. Uh, but there's parts of the state that we know have issues. Mm -hmm. And so if you you look kind of across the whole of the South, I think that's the case. And there's um, concerns um, not just amongst hunters, but a, a uh, uh, within you know the discussions professional biologists are having that hey what, what's going on you know we we had this great conservation success story in the wild turkey you know essentially taking them from from very close to extinction you know around the time of world war ii right. yeah. to the restoration that we've had today and the success that that's been over the last you know 30 40 50 years mm -hmm. um and you know, maybe we kind of sat back on our laurels and got a little complacent. Now we're kind of looking and seeing, well, there's there's stuff going on, and so that those questions are being asked um, by a lot of people, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of biologists, a lot of researchers. What's going on? Um, and I don't know that there's a single answer to that. I think it's going to depend on where you're at, and it's probably no one thing. Right. Um, but it's not wrong to say, you know, some of those worries you guys were hearing from your your fellow turkeys out there, fellow turkey hunters out there. You know, on social media and stuff, they're valid. I mean, we right. we know that. Right. And so we're it's kind of a, a resurgence in um, turkey research and uh, really kind of focusing on this bird and and that. Uh, 
here in Mississippi, it led us a couple of years ago, we developed a, a, a really detailed strategic management plan for the okay. state that goes through a lot of the stuff that we think may be going on um, and then talks about some of the solutions that we see. And, and you're correct in saying that this, uh, the, this harvest reporting system that we institute mm. is part of that, part of that solution that we recognize, hey, we got to have better information at right. sort of the local scale so that we, at least we can start diagnosing where the problem areas are. Yeah. And so that's part of that solution. Yeah. I think, and the reason I, br I bring that up, you know, because, um, like I said, a lot of people asking about it. And then we had some, like, like I personally, other than, like, the, the private land spots and I'm able to hunt, mm -hmm. they, the, I had no issues there. You know, they said, mm -hmm. so, it, I mean, it wasn't like there's no turkeys anywhere. It, you know, it was just, like you said, it was almost like there was pockets of people in certain areas. That right, were like, right. I, you know, where are my turkeys at? Yeah, I um, think I ended up hunting, like, eight or nine different counties in the state this year. Mm -hmm. And some county, I mean, some places you go to, centralized locations, there are a lot more turkeys there. And there's right. one spot I just hunted that where turkeys there three, four years ago. Right. I mean, there's still turkeys there, but it's not, not like not it was. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. And some of that, you know, some of that's going to be inherent in turkey population. I yeah. mean, they fluctuate a lot, and they, they've always done that. We always know that. Mm -hmm. It's not uncommon for a, a, a turkey population to, you know, be cut in half or, or maybe even double within a very short period of yeah. time, right. just a couple of years uh, with the and right number of hatches. But I guess the, the big deal is kind of looking at the trends over time, you know, looking at our summer brood surveys and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. you, see, you see the reproduction not being what it would have been back in say the 90s right and that's concerning especially when you start seeing the harvest kind of mirror that a little bit yeah. i know it's a bunch of different causes that make you know turkeys everything wants to eat them and they're mm -hmm. they have a hard time just living <laughs> but, yeah <laughs> yeah what's some of y'all's main like highlights as far as to look at to fix or do you have one yet as far as well uh, you know the the question that we're really wrestling with is what is the, the yeah. thing that's going on trying and what, to figure yeah, out and what, the... what can we control and what can we not control that, that document that I mentioned earlier, strategic plan, you know, we kind of go through all the different stuff. Mm -hmm. So habitat, you know, is, is kind of the underlying thing. That's mm -hmm. if you don't have good Turkey habitat, you're just not going to have turkeys. Right. Period. Yeah. Yeah. And so we know, you know, um, and I'll speak kind of just specifically about Mississippi because that's what I know the most. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we know the, the landscape of our state has changed a lot over the last couple of decades um, for a lot of different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, and some of those changes have probably been good for turkeys and some of them haven't. And and so that's that's playing in there. Um, uh -huh. You know, I, my part of the world, uh, I'll tell you guys, you know, I told you I'm com from kind of the, down in the south central part mm -hmm. of the state and I still do most of my turkey hunting down there. Katrina had a huge effect on, yeah. on turkeys in the southern part yeah. of our state. Yeah, of timber down. Yeah, and, and, and so, you know, that, that hurricane blew down um, primarily hardwoods. You think about when it yeah. hit in August, you had big hardwoods with all the leaves still on. And, and um, you know, a lot of, lot of that part of the state lost, you know, up, upwards of 80% of their hardwoods got yeah. blew down. So that's, that's a big hit for yeah. turkey habitat. Right. And it takes a long time for that to recover. You know, you can't grow a, a big 30-inch oak tree you know <laughs> yeah. overnight that takes more than a couple of years <laughs> right 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 so you know that's one example of a habitat issue that's played out you know here locally for mm -hmm. us that's affected turkey hunting in our state and there's there's a lot of others so um you know that's going on um you know predators have always been part of the equation with yeah, turkey right. i mean they predation really shapes turkey populations and uh there's some reason to believe that there's you, know, you, you hear it a lot a lot of hunters talk about it uh, that there's more predators today and there's some reason to believe that there's some truth to that and so that could be playing into it um the disease issue i think i think um particularly here in our state we've we've um 
saw a period where we were getting more diseased turkey reports. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's difficult to really tease out how big an impact that had. Yeah. Um, but it, it, for a period of time, we're kind of we're kind of moving past it now. But there was a period of time for the last couple of years where I really felt like we were hearing enough of that that uh-huh. and getting and getting enough of those birds reported to us uh, that 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 was an issue going on. Uh, and then you know there's um, discussion about season frameworks and stuff like that. I know yeah. that may be on the list to talk about yeah. at some point, but the breeding yeah. cycle yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, the the notion that um, we may <clears throat> need to evaluate the way. We're, yeah. we're hunting this bird and, mm-hmm. and the, the season framework. Yeah. You know, we're lucky in, in one regard here in Mississippi that we have a, a really long liberal season. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as a, as a turkey hunter, I like that. It uh, gives you a lot of opportunity to go. Our season starts really early. Yeah. Um, so on the, on the one hand, we're really lucky to be blessed with that opportunity. But when you start seeing things not working out so good, you really have to start evaluating everything right. that you're doing. You right. know? Well, this year we were the third state to open – out of everybody, I think it's Florida, Hawaii, and then us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm. I think, uh, like, the main reason I brought that up about, like, the season framework is a lot of times when people would you, – you would have, like, the initial question of, you know, I'm not seeing as many turkeys as I used to. Where's my turkeys going? And that usually leads into, well, the season – maybe they're opening the season too early. Maybe, you know, maybe this is an issue. Maybe the limit's too high. You know, so that's it usually just kind of rolls into other questions. Mm. And that's, like I said, one of the main reasons I wanted to – have you on here is to kind of just educate i mean heck educate me and jordan yeah. and everybody else because I, I mean i i'm no professional you know i, I know what the i'm in the same boat as you i i, I like that long season right because i like if i tell i tell everybody if I, if i had the opportunity to turkey hunt every single day i would and you know i'm just that Man, way that's about tough it. though but yeah but on the other hand you know, like you're saying if it becomes an issue for the wild turkey, then okay, we maybe we need to scale it back. So I was, you know, some understanding for us and for everybody. What's you know, where's the? It's a weird relationship a turkey ha- hunter has with a turkey. It really is. It's a very weird. We want to kill yeah. them, but we want them to have yeah. them here to kill them. I want to shoot you, but I won't shoot and, around. And then, and then, and then, you know, like you guys before we before we came on, you know, when, when you get to go in every day and it's like, you yeah. know, oh man. I, you get so tired and you're delirious and you start thinking to yourself, why am I still doing, yeah. why am I doing this to myself? I came home. Our, la- our last trip we came off of was uh, we did a Kansas-Nebraska trip um, for, for, for filming. And it was we had to draw that one out longer. Um, and it was like it was a tail end. And I don't know how many days in a row we had been. But I got, you know, I got back and I probably looked like I'd been, you know, just not slept any hardly. And Ben was like, are you tired of turkey hunting yet? I was like, no, we drove. Like I'm tired, but I'm not tired of turkey. <laughs> we left at one o'clock in the morning from Iowa. Drove home, went to Ben's wedding, got back home at night, and got up at three the next morning and went turkey hunting. It's like that. It's like that. Uh, that the Tom Kelly quote. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it up right now. The I know one which about, one you're uh, talking about. Yeah, yeah. The 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 one about I I I, I really don't want to go, but I'm helpless in the in yeah. the, you know in the grip of my compulsion or something like that. You know, I. <laughs> I, I have to. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. I got to go. We were at the go. reception of Ben's wedding, which that's Ben's fault for making a wedding in the middle of turkey season in April, you know. But beside, side point, uh, we're sitting there at the reception. George just kind of walks up to me and he goes, we're going to go in the morning? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I've yeah. been awake since 1 o'clock that morning. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, we're going to go. It's April. We got to go, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I, I guess getting back to your question, the um, the issue of how do you set your season? There's there's several different components 
uh, to sort of unpack there. There's there's kind of the length of the season, mm-hmm. and then there's the timing of the season, and those are both sort of two different things that that may potentially affect different things. So uh, the easier those two to, to answer is sort of the length of the season. Mm-hmm. So there's um, been a pretty good bit of research that you know the the this is intuitive you know the longer the season the higher proportion of the gobbler flock you're probably going to kill mm-hmm. um at a at a at a large scale and um so where that plays in is um if 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 your turkey population is is really roaring and, and you've got great reproduction you know you can you can have those long seasons and you can harvest a high proportion of the gobblers because you got more coming behind them you know right but if you start having trouble um you know if a state uh, like Mississippi where we have a really long liberal season, you know, we're going to be more dependent upon a really good hatch than say a state like um, a Missouri or Kentucky that have really short seasons. Gotcha. So, so, you know, they can, you know, I, they, they can go through more bad hatches and it not really show in the quality of the hunting than a state with a really long liberal mm-hmm. season. So that's yeah. sort of the trade off there. You, on the one hand, it's really nice to live in a place like this where you, you've got a lot of opportunity to go and you can go and you can go. Um, but if you start getting into a series of bad hatches, that's going to catch up with us a lot quicker than it would yeah. catch up with us to a, a state that has a shorter season. So that's how that, that length sort of – it's kind of a balance between how much opportunity do you want to provide versus how much carryover do you want to yeah. have to sort of buffer yourself against bad hatches. Do you all have like an estimate number of uh, turkeys that are like mature gobblers that are killed during any given season versus the population? Do you all – are getting that way or trying right. to figure so, that out? Yeah, um, we've, we've gone down the road of doing some banding stuff here in the state, and then we've got, um, you know, historical mm-hmm. stuff looking back at that. Um, my best guess is here, uh, and it's going to depend too now. Yeah, Before I throw out any kind of number, I'm going to say it probably depends. If this, you've is, got, this is guesstimates. <laughs> yeah, if you've, well, if you've got, um, you know, a really large track of private land with r- low hunting pressure, obviously you're going to have a much – lower number than yeah. you know the, the public places that you're that you're hunting over there and the, man that's got to be 100 yeah. percent over there for us <laughs> <laughs> um but you know historically that that range has been somewhere probably between 30 to 50 percent okay. of the of the adult gobblers mm-hmm. of course in here you know in mississippi uh jakes are off limits yeah so that that helps ca- helps with that which like carry you over said, a little bit. It, it varies from county to county or even from right. two mile stretches to another right. mile stretch right. yeah right Right. Absolutely, it does. Does the hunting pressure, like far as hunting, like I guess that's got an effect on the population some, but does it? I mean, is other all the other habitat and all that carries a whole lot bigger stick, far as than just killing too many. Far as yeah, hunting. I mean, like was, I said, I think be a question right, yeah, I, had I think too. I mean, I think the underlying, the most important thing is having good habitat. Mm-hmm. If you've got really good habitat, I think a lot of the rest of the stuff will sort of fall into place. Yeah. Um, but it's when you start having, you know, habitat issues or, or maybe things aren't just perfect there or maybe, you know, something changes with the predator community or mm-hmm. or you have a little, you know, a little round of disease or something. And then that's, I think, when the, the hunting effects can be a little bit more acute yeah. as, okay. as things change. That makes so, a lot yeah. more sense. But, but, you know, end of the day, you know, habitat is still some of the the best investment you can make in the turkey yeah. population because if you do good habitat management usually that'll last a while mm-hmm. and it's going to give them the things that they need and to y'all to have a program for private landowners too right like how do you mean what like they can call y'all and get advice right yeah oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, um most state wildlife agencies will offer that kind of service mm-hmm. so we've got guys and that 
Mike and myself, we need to do a lot of meeting with private landowners. That's what I'll be doing tomorrow, actually going to meet with a private landowner. So y'all actually do come to their place? And yeah, check things out and kind of recommend a course of action, mm -hmm. you know, take their objectives into consideration and then try to prescribe them some, some okay, different I don't think that's, things to do. That's not a widely known no, they. Don't, I don't think a whole lot of people know y'all actually do that for private landowners too. You know, that's that's that'd be a key deal to a guy that's wanting to hold turkeys, but he doesn't know right. anything called. Well, you know, us, us wildlife biologists, we just we, we're all kind of introverted, right? We just all want to be out in the woods, left <laughs> yeah, alone. Yeah. You know, we're not great at marketing yeah. ourselves. Is there is there a stipulation to to how big a piece of ground needs to be for y'all to you know go out there and look at it, or is it just kind of? No, we'll we'll visit anybody, but. You know, you got to keep in mind, you know, the guy who owns, you know, 40 acres mm -hmm. is not going to be able to accomplish as much as the guy who owns a much, much bigger right, tract. You right, know, we'll we'll yeah. offer you habitat recommendations, but you have to keep, uh, you know, keep your keep your expectations sort of in so, context exactly, to the property. Yeah. I mean, Makes sense. You know, gobblers travel over a, a lot of land. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the average home range here in Mississippi is... Uh, pretty close to six square miles if you look at it throughout the year mm -hmm. you know what, what they use yeah it's, i had it's, no idea oh it, it's it's mind-blowing when you start putting transmitters and stuff on turkeys and follow them around it'll as a hunter it will really blow your mind because really you you, you don't expect them to move as much as they do right. i mean i expected maybe a mile yeah no <laughs> no no yeah because wow. that makes well i mean i didn't know six miles but i have a very good friend um has a place he'd kill me if i said where it was but uh he he says he said it, it might as well not even go out there until first or second weekend in April. Yeah, because they're just not. He said they're just not yeah. there. Yeah, and so that's why that's why they're when I say their home range is six square miles. What I'm talking about is the annual home range throughout the year. So if you look yeah. at the stuff they're using in the winter and then in the spring, right? In a lot of cases, that can be um, they they make pretty dramatic moves between right. those two times, and so when you add all of that up across the course of the years yeah. where you get up with that that really really large number um interesting one one of one of the places i hunt back home the same way like it's it's a it's an april 1st and on spot mm -hmm. you know i gotta uh, there won't be any turkeys there on opening day but you wait till we start getting some green up in yeah. the woods and i always circle back to that spot. and on the on the opposite end of that i can i was in a deer camp when i was in high school and i think it was if i'm it was like on the, the west side of the of the place it was, it was pretty big west side during deer season i was seeing turkeys everywhere and i was mm -hmm. like oh man springtime it's on mm -hmm. and there wasn't a turkey to be found they was all now if you go to the east side that's where all your turkeys were but on that west end where i seen them all during deer season they right. gone. Hmm. and that, that puzzled me because I, I was like where'd they go but yeah and so the uh, gobblers are a lot like uh, bucks in that as they get older their home range will actually get a little bit smaller mm -hmm. in a lot of cases yeah. so um you know the really really old those, those big long spurred gobblers a lot of times they'll have a much smaller range so know, that one kinda... turkey me and you were trying to kill that kept roosting in that same tree he's got about a 20 acre block he's probably <laughs> has probably has two inch spurs yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh god but, so what makes the turkeys make that move i mean i don't know for sure i know it's the breeding coming yeah on, that but... that you know the, the the conventional thing is that's what it is that mm -hmm. they you know in the winter time they're really tied to um, hard mass and oak bottoms and stuff yep. like that and then as you get into the springtime they're thinking more about reproduction mm -hmm. so they need to, to to move more into the kind of the uplands where you've got more early successional type so cover is usually. it the hens that make the first move or the gobblers just know where to go or actually it's, it's kind of reversed the gobblers usually kind of know where to where to get to and mm -hmm. then the, and then the hens okay uh, hmm. interesting kind of, it's sort of sort of a shuffle 
Huh. I mean, I've, I've always knew they moved, you know, right. from fall pattern to spring pattern, but I didn't know exactly what made them move. Right. And then, in, you know, in a lot of cases, too, the gobblers will, um, you know, they may be trailing or with kind of a hen flock in yeah. late winter. You know, it's not here. It's not uncommon at all to see a gobbler strutting with hens in late January yeah, or early absolutely. February. And so, you know, the, the gobblers are thinking about it. They, they have something on their mind, but the hens are still a pretty long way from right. being to the point of, of – nesting and yeah. stuff like that so. where was it uh we were we were at uh cottonmouth which we don't have the the river so tough on them there there's just not that many birds over there but uh i remember we were deer hunting and we heard a turkey gobble in january mm -hmm. and the deer that we were hunting just left my mind <laughs> it's a turkey <laughs> I just, yeah it was already drifting to springtime yeah yeah um i'm sorry you i had a, i mean i have a question i mean i've i've read about it and heard about it and all that but what I want to hear the whole breeding cycle cycle from start to finish. What causes it? What makes them go like? I know you always hear about full moons for deer. Mm -hmm. I mean, what causes a hen go in a nesting period or right. ready so to breed? With, well, there, so two things, really. We want to look at it from the gobbler side or the mm -hmm. hen side. So the, the gobblers, you know, like probably like almost all males, you know, they, 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 they usually get their mind on, on breeding before the hens do. Yeah. And so it's not uncommon. That's why it's not uncommon at all to hear – turkeys gobbling here in, in Mississippi and a lot of the deep south you may hear that in February yeah. sometimes um, so in in wild turkeys and in most bird species testosterone which is the sex hormone the male sex hormone mm -hmm. it starts getting elevated earlier in the males than in the females and so that's why you see the gobblers strutting and you see gobblers gobbling and they're trailing hen flocks and all that and that happens like like I said a lot of times it will be um, late February, early March, you'll see that going on. Mm -hmm. um, the hens are still several weeks out from actually nesting and everything. So uh, with with the hens, um, same sort of deal. It's, it's ultimately the length of daylight sort of stimulates all the sex hormones. Okay. And so they, they start taking over her body, and then eventually um, she, will, she will get in the mood to breed. Mm -hmm. um, but here in Mississippi... You know, they're not actually laying nest usually until about the first week or two of April. I mean, in, in radio collar studies that we've done here in the state, you know, the, the mean incubation date, which is the date at which the hens actually start sitting on their eggs, is not until, you know, April 15th to, to 20th or, or later, some years. Some years mm -hmm. even later. Mm -hmm. And so that later, you know, there's different things that can dictate the timing. So ultimately... Um, Ultimately, the length of daylight is what sort of starts the breeding season, stimulates all those hormones in the birds, but sort of the short-term weather can shift it a little bit. So if we get a really late spring, yeah. you know, that can, that can impact things a little bit. That's what I was wanting to know because yeah. you always yeah. hear, oh, they're, oh, they're going to be done by the time. <laughs> well, and I don't, I don't really buy into that. So, like, yeah. if we have a really yeah. early spring, like I remember um, you guys may remember um, – 2012 y'all yes, remember 12 like there was no winter in 2012 2012 we, yeah. was a good year yeah we year. went we went from fall to spring basically you're the two-year-olds yeah and so uh you know in, in that even in that situation you know it's gonna it, it probably moved up nesting a little bit but it mm -hmm. didn't move it up you know two months or anything right. crazy like that you know i mean you, you may have shifted that average date by 
10 days or two weeks mm -hmm. e either side of what the historic average would have been, but it was not like it's going to okay, shift so it way, way up. Okay, so good weather can affect it some. Some, but, I mean, it's ultimately it's it's uh, the amount of daylight is hardwired into them to start stimulating those hormones that, at a set time. It's called a photogenic period, is that right? Something like that? Yeah, the photo period. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take the gen card. He was, he was almost there. Photosynthesis. Yeah. Photosynthesis. <laughs> so, I, you know, one, one I, I hear, and I heard it a lot this year, um, I heard it a lot this year, hunters talking about hens still being with gobblers late into the season. Mm -hmm. yeah, and my so my perception after looking at kind of the science part of it and how that all plays out and the mm -hmm. timing of it, and then, you know, talking with hunters and being a hunter myself, you know, I think hunters generally think that happens earlier than it does a yeah. lot of times. Because like I said, I mean, you know, a, a hen, a lot of times, a lot of hens won't even – begin nesting until after our season has already ended really you know like in in some years you yeah. know like so that average is going to move a little bit every year and so in some years it may be almost the first part of may before some of the hens begin nesting does it vary from hen to hen then like some hens are laid later on and earlier uh, i don't really know so um what we what we do know is that it is probably age related so okay. you know the okay. older more dominant hens are generally going to go earlier the juvenile mm -hmm. hens are generally going to go later um, but I don't know how much, you know, that, whether that variation from year to year, how much that the individual okay. has to do with that. Do you typically have like, like in a, you know, an, on a piece of property, do, is it, do you usually have a certain number of older hens and a certain number of younger hens is it dispersed or, you know, mixed in with the, you know, the flock? In, in the yeah. Area? So that, you know, that, that'll depend on how that hatch was in that year. And that's, right. so we actually, uh, a lot of, uh, Mississippi had a really good hatch last summer. Okay. Uh, one of, one of the better hatches yeah. we've had in a pretty long time. I've heard, and, seen a lot of jakes. Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit of A lot of jakes. And so the way that can play into the hunting season then is you're going to have that next spring, you're going to have a lot of juvenile hens in the population. It's going to be heavily skewed towards those juvenile hens and, with Easterns, um, you know, in a lot of cases, some of those juveniles won't nest at all. Uh, and if they do, they're probably going to nest maybe a little bit later. So y y that's why, that's one of the reasons why you probably heard that a lot this year, that they're hanging out with the gobblers. Mm -hmm. or there's he still hens available out there on the landscape. Same way with the deer then. You'll see right. them bucks chasing them during the does lay, way late in the season. Right, right. Mm -hmm. huh, makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. That's interesting. Yeah, I just I didn't know that. I learned something today. Um, so the other question to kind of go along with that one, um, when you hear, you know, first it was the, uh, you know, the seasons or, or whatever. A lot is it, man, the 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 limit's too high. Mm -hmm. Why, why, you know, they shouldn't be. You know, three turkeys is too many. They, you know, they're allowing non-residents are shooting too many turkeys. So mm -hmm. uh, again, I'm looking for, you know, better understanding. You know, what's what is the reasoning behind our, our limits why you know the the three right um that's going to vary you know from state to state so a lot mm -hmm. of that is just kind of hunter tradition you know what what the expectations of that that hunting population or that that group of hunters are in that state mm -hmm. and then how can that fit in with with the resource um, mississippi's just historically been a, a three bird state um i will tell you that looking at the data that we have is very few hunters actually get to three birds it's mm -hmm. it's it's less than 10 percent of hunters that will actually harvest three yeah. birds. Right. So hunt, turkey hunting is one of those things that um, it's it 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 can be a difficult thing to get good at. You know, mm -hmm. you know, there's there's a really steep learning curve there, mm -hmm. and so you know, once you get really good at it, you can be really good at it. You know, you can be really efficient, and so um, that's not uncommon to see um, a relatively small percentage of turkey hunters 
harvest the lion's share of the turkeys that get that get shot in a right. given year. Right. What uh, do you have an idea of how many kills too, far as percentage wise? Or um, oh, you put me on the spot. I looked at that the other day out of the game <laughs> check stuff, and I can't I can't remember was, the 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 th- the, <laughs> the uh, three uh, being about nine percent of the turkey hunters really sticks out, and I can't remember yeah. what the two right got to gotcha right so um yeah the the three and then how how big of an issue or is it the you know you always hear about guys that just kind of whether it's true or not they just kind of throw the limit to the wind and kill however many they want Mm -hmm. i mean i hear about that makes me want to pull my hair out because i'm like don't do that yeah they don't understand what they're taking away yeah it's not an unlimited resource right um (laughs) how big of an do you how big of an issue do you think that is well, there's a couple of ways to answer that, I guess. On the one hand, I mean, I don't, I don't think, that, I would like to believe that's not a lot of people. Right. That, that you know, certainly there are there are those who do that, but it's not a lot of people. Right. Um, but I think that small, really, really small subset of people can have an outsized impact on the, yeah. on the resource. I agree. And you know, that's why looking at looking at just sort of legal harvest. Um, from our, we have in addition to the game check uh, system that we put in this year, you know, we have a avid hunter survey that we have volunteer hunters recording what they're they're seeing and doing. And I know uh, looking at that data, um, the hunters who account for three birds um, end up accounting for more total dead turkeys than like the bottom sixty five percent of 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 hunters. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about it that way, that it it's really um, um, weighted sort of unequal in that that a small group of people are are accounting for a large portion of the of the gobblers that get killed then you start thinking well what if there is an even smaller part of of the hunter group out there that you know is just throwing the limit to the wind right killing however many they can you 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 come to realize those people are probably accounting for a lot of turkeys yeah 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 it's just it makes me sick think about people doing that taking right there's a reason there's a limit yeah right which you know these days you know if i know somebody that does that if i I mean they 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 usually get a pretty good tongue lashing from me (laughs) i'm like man look that i'm glad look i'm I'm truly glad you can kill turkeys kill three and stop right go somewhere else just stop you know ain't no reason to be that greedy you know that's that's something i'm i'll get on a soapbox about but um yeah i'm I'm glad to to hear you say that uh because i've always wondered how much of an impact that that had and what about like on a this may seem kind of obvious, but like on a, like on a land specific, or you know a certain, you know place specific. You know I've I've known guys even if they don't kill over the limit, they go on their place and they you know between them and their buddies or whoever, they all stay within the legal limit, but they'll shoot every goblin turkey right. they have on their place. I'm like, well, I ain't got any turkeys. I'm like, we. Well, it, and that that sort of goes back to, kind of like like I was talking about earlier with the. Long liberal seasons versus short seasons. You know, yeah. if uh, if you're going to do that, then you're dependent upon having a really good hatch all the time to replenish those numbers. Right. Um, so uh, that's just one thing to think about. You know, it's kind of take them when you got them, or try to be a little bit more conservative and make it last a little longer. I, right. I know the the you know I I feel really lucky in that um, I'm blessed with a, a number of different places to hunt, and and some of those I've hunted for a really long time, and man, I baby them. You know, I'm, yeah. I, I really baby those places. Yeah. I try not to overexploit them at all. Spots yeah. I had when I was growing up, I, yeah. I take my winter flock. You know, winter gobbler. I say during the during deer season, I cut them in half. Okay, I ain't gonna kill but this many. Right. Whether it be you know, I see five or six during the winter time. I say, okay, I'm gonna kill one, two. Right. Right. Yeah. I always had turkeys. 
Yeah. Seem like. Do you think that'd be a, that that kind of? Well, I mean, there. You know, I don't. I can't point to any kind of scientific research to give yeah. any sort of mm-hmm. guide guideline like that. But I think that's that's probably a, a wise thing to consider is to think about. You know, how many you feel like you may have out there and you don't really know i mean they yeah. move around a lot so yeah. and they have big ranges so you never know if that turkey you saw today is the same turkey you saw last thursday yeah. but right you know you get some sense of it when you go out and however mm-hmm. many you're here in the morning and um you know try to try to be a little bit conservative i don't think that that yeah. doesn't hurt at all yeah i always have turkeys if you stay on a conservative side yeah <laughs> hopefully yeah. yeah yeah hopefully um so what you know do you think there'd be any do you think there'd be any reason to change the limit in the in the future or it, you know is it you well know? you know I, I go back to that strategic plan that we we talked about mm-hmm. um one of the ways we developed that uh was going around to different focal groups mm-hmm. and asking their opinion on asking for open discussion on how mm-hmm. how should we as a as a state agency that you know has a responsibility of overseeing this resource for the hunting public you know how should we best take care of it and um, I was really surprised in that process in that here in our state, you know, there, there is um, amongst the, the hunters that were involved in that process uh, a lot of thought that we need to take a critical evaluation of the season mm-hmm. framework. And so, you know, we're not really that I'm – not, I'm not saying that we're – I'm not saying we are doing that right now today, but right. it is something we are considering and looking at. Gotcha. Um, we actually uh, this year did change the framework on some WMAs for mm-hmm. that reason, to try to follow those through time. We went to, and I guess you asked specifically about bag limit earlier, right. talking more about season length and framework, but um, we changed a couple of WMAs this year to sort mm-hmm. of look at that. Um, so we're using those as kind of little test, yeah. test cases. Interesting, yeah, because yeah. then you could see, yeah, that's, yeah. that's interesting. We, we've, done some, uh, we've done surveys where we've asked about bag limit, and it's, it's – um, here in our state, uh, there is almost equal support for going lower as there is staying the same. Right. Yeah. So. I'm again, again. I'm on the same boat as I was about the harvest reporting. If if you told me that lowering the limit means that we were going to have more turkeys in the future, I'd say, okay, knock it down. You right. know, that's me. Right. And so I, you know, I'll, I'll say this to the to the listeners out there. You know, go back to what I said in the beginning. I was a turkey hunter way before I was ever a turkey biologist. So I, I take that responsibility really seriously. That I don't, I do not want to cut anybody's opportunity right. to pursue the wild turkey unless I feel like it's the best thing for the the interests of both the resource yeah. and the hunters long term. And absolutely, right now I don't know that we can answer that question you know, as accurately as I'd like to be able to mm-hmm. on what the best course of action would be. So that's kind of we're in the mode right now of sort right. of gathering right. gathering more data, gathering this, more info. This plan y'all put together, is it a publicized deal? Mm-hmm. It's on, uh, you can get it on our website, okay. uh, mdwfp.com um, backslash turkey, go to the turkey program page. Mm-hmm. It's on there, downloadable. Okay. Okay. That's cool. We go, through, um, we go through kind of the history of con- turkey conservation in, in our state, uh-huh. you know, the restoration phase and all that. I think I've actually read some of it. Yeah, then we go through the data that we do have available. Um, So, you know, our our brood survey stuff, our avid hunter survey stuff, going through some of the the actual field studies that have been done Uh in the past and what they've learned. And then uh, we move into talking about sort of the challenges. Uh, And we look at different data sets that tell us about habitat on the landscape, tell us about uh, maybe predator populations. We've got some trapper data, so we kind of go through that. Uh, We talk about uh, disease um some of the monitoring we've done there and we talk about what we know from studies in other places about harvest frameworks and how those can impact things and then we you know we have focal groups that we interview and we kind of summarize those and Mm -hmm. and then we then it it goes into kind of the boring part which is like a a, a 
a textbook strategic plan where you've got actions and objectives oh, and that well, that's kind of good thing, to know so. that's out there yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure i've read through some of it. it's like is it gobbling data and stuff on there too mm-hmm. okay yeah. yeah i've looked yeah at- yeah well we do the one every year where we put out uh for our, our spring gobbler survey yeah. you know we, that, that i mentioned earlier where mm-hmm. we've got those avid uh, hunters out there collecting what they're seeing and hearing. Mm-hmm. So we put that out. That's 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 a much smaller little document yeah. that we put I've, out every year. I've read some of that because I remember going on there looking at 2012 and it was like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that was a year. T- yeah. Everyone, everyone, <laughs> um, t- before you even said 2012, I was already, he's about to say 2012. Yeah. That was just. Well, see good. what happened in that year? We had a really, 2010 was a really good hatch for mm-hmm. us. So we had had a really good hatch. So you were going to have a, a really good crop of two year olds coming into that season no matter what. Right. And then we had. You know, just the, this crazy winter that that wasn't, and so you you just had these great, awesome spring-like conditions really yeah. early. It was a perfect the, storm. Yeah, and the turkeys were just primed when the season opened. Yeah, yeah they it were. It was greened up come March fifteenth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was. Yeah, I'll never forget that spring. Yeah, it was. Good. We had. A, I remember it, we almost had full leaf on on yeah. opening day. Yeah, here. it was. Yep. It was yeah. unreal. I can remember. It was a had five two-year-olds come running up on. <laughs> I thought I was. Um, hunting the Knoxby refuge i was at mississippi state at the time and i thought i was i thought i was the man of the woods because yeah. <laughs> it was like there's turkeys everywhere i'm pretty sure i'm trying to remember back i'm pretty sure i killed a turkey opening day that year i think everybody did i guess um oh, what was my thought um i lost my train of thought uh i got a question if you yeah go on talk about burning I've seen a lot of these Facebook biologists talking about when you're supposed to burn and not supposed to burn. Can you? Right. What's the reason and when y'all burn and why y'all burn? Well, I'll tell you this. Burning is like one of my most favorite things oh, yeah. in the whole world. Like if, <laughs> if you want to have a day, you can just at the end of the day, you know, sit sit in the recliner at home and say, oh, I really did something good today. Yeah. Like go burn. Like, yeah. um, so as far as habitat management for turkeys and we, you know, we talked about quail earlier before we got in here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's one of the best all-around habitat management tools mm-hmm. we have in this part of the world uh, in upland-type habitats. And so, it, I mean, in my mind, if you're going to be serious about managing turkeys, it's an essential ingredient. Yeah. You know, it, it really, really is. And so trying to get that uh, burn rotation, you know, down to a relatively short window, mm-hmm. you know, in, in this part of the world, you need to be looking at probably a two- to three-year window rotation. or return rotation yeah. that you're burning on um and that that's going to vary a little bit but you know if you if you kind of shoot for two to three years uh-huh. you're, you're probably doing pretty good um but what what i guess a lot of people get uh kind of fired up about is uh burning during the growing season yeah. burning after kind of the nesting time that after the march after yeah. opening day right type right stuff. and um and i can understand that. i mean uh, you know intuitively you think hey you're you're burning up nest you're setting you're setting the woods on fire when there's nesting turkeys out there. And uh, so, it, you know, I understand why people get really concerned about that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a, a number of different studies um, that, that have looked at that very, very specifically. We've actually done some here in Mississippi on the home of Chitta. Uh, did a study specifically to look at the impact of growing season fire. And there's been other work done uh, in, in Louisiana and Georgia, uh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of different places. And... I guess the the direct impact that most hunters worry about is, hey, are you burning up nests? Right. And I have never seen any of those studies that suggest the actual direct loss to growing season fire is more than about four, four or five percent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a single digit percentage in almost every case. And uh, so that, you know, p- part of being a turkey biologist, you sort of get immune to the fact that you're going to lose a lot of nests 
Um, yeah. that just that's inherent. I mean, a, a year with a really really good hatch is forty percent of them hatch. So yeah. you're gonna, even in the best that's year really you're good. losing. Yeah, even in the best hatch year you're going to lose sixty percent of the nest. Average so, hatch is what less than twenty, isn't it? Oh, uh, uh, right you know, thirty percent, twenty-five, thirty percent. So that's, uh, that's, that's crazy to me. Kind the, of more yeah. than average. Uh, but I saw it, going back to the growing season burn thing. So it it's not a huge contributing factor yeah. to overall nest loss. Now I think what a lot of people one of the things that um, creates uh, sort of that animosity towards using fire at that time of the year is that people who hunt certain national forests have yeah. seen populations decline sort of along the same timeline that growing season burning got um, got started on those yeah. forests. So mm -hmm. a, a lot of the national forests in the south have, have only been using growing season fire as a tool for you know maybe 20 years mm -hmm. at the most. Before that it really wasn't an issue. So you've seen populations in some areas decline over that time and so it's intuitive to think that that's a causal factor mm -hmm. well in, in my mind what i'm saying is none of the studies i have seen suggest to me that the direct loss of the nest is what's what's making that happen yeah um and in fact um uh some, some of the guys uh over in georgia dr mike chamberlain he, he's actually suggested that um some of those areas that get burned actually have have sort of a lower predator context after the fire so you think a lot of the the nest predators are you know they, they're picking up a turkey nest when they run across it but a lot of them are in there hunting mice or rabbits yeah. or something interesting. else and interesting. when you take off all that cover you know those no those sort of secondary prey species go somewhere else and so the actual uh, space there that's left is going to be inhabited by fewer predators yeah. and in a lot of cases the hens will come back to those nests so it's not it's not a guarantee that just because fire rolled through there that that nest is doomed i know i was hunting a place this year that uh, y'all burnt later on in the season mm -hmm. it was like middle of april deal first of april deal because it's been so wet i guess right but uh i was in there the week prior to that or before that and uh there was coon tracks all up and down this road mm -hmm. And I noticed that the day yeah. that I was talking to you. Right. And uh, went in there after you burn it. And that's maybe two or three days after burn it. Wasn't no coon tracks anyway. Right. So you think of like a raccoon, you know, look, they, they're probably keying in on a lot of fruit and stuff yeah. at that time of the year. So it's you just took gone. all that gone. So they're going to move. But I'm not going to say that the, the way you apply fire can certainly impact turkeys. Mm -hmm. And we're getting more and more science all the time that suggests the scale of burning can be very influential on. Uh, turkey habitat use. So, okay. so if you're burning too many acres at the same time, regardless of the time of the year, regardless of whether that's the winter or the or the spring yeah. or the summer, uh, large large burns are probably not the best thing for turkeys. You, and that's beca that's because what are you calling large far as acreage when you're burning uh, several thousand acres at a time. Okay. Gotcha. When, when that when that happens, and so gotcha. one of one of the you know we're waiting on some some science to kind of come out now to really fine tune exactly what that ideal sweet spot burn size is, but it's probably going to be um, you know several hundred acres at the most, yeah. at the very most is what you would ideally want to do. So when you're looking at landscapes where you've got thousands upon thousands of acres, what that essentially did from the turkey standpoint is it sort of reduced the amount of diversity you've got, mm -hmm. you know, across that area. So right. It, they it, need it, that. Yeah. And so that is affecting, you know, turkey habitat use yeah. probably that makes in sense. that area. Makes sense. It does. Well, that's good. Um, good to know. I've, what, I saw so many discussions on Facebook yeah. about that. I know. Yeah. I mean, it, like, I know it's a topic a lot of people get really uh, heated about because it, yeah. you know, it intuitively makes sense. You show up there 
you know, your favorite turkey hunting spot late April and it, it's been lit up and you, you worry about those hens. Yeah. I start chomping at the mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Burn. The other thing, the other thing to think about too, there's, I guess, two other things. Turkeys do re-nest. Uh, so that's, right. that's one thing to consider. And then, uh, sort of something I suggested earlier, you know, in general, that, that nesting season, I think is, is later than you, you, you yeah. may appreciate right. sometimes. I know we were burning, um, I was on a, a burn this year on a WMA that we were doing. I, I forget what date it was. It was right around the first week of March or something like uh -huh. that, before turkey season opened here. And we, we were burning adjacent to a highway and had a guy stop, and he, he really uh, chewed us out pretty good for burning up the turkey <laughs> nest. And, and I'm sitting there thinking I didn't, I didn't really want to, you know, get into it and cause a deal. I want to get back to what we were doing, but I'm sitting there thinking that, they're not nesting right now. They're yeah. still, they're, that's still a little ways there's, off, you know. As much as, and I obviously identify with a turkey hunter because I am one, but man, they can short fuse sometimes on <laughs> topics like that. Yeah. They go on any Facebook forum these days, gracious alive. But yeah. um, two, I got two more short questions because okay. we, we already ran longer than I told you we would. Sorry about that. But uh, the first one is uh, you sent it to me. There was some new. I think South Carolina is doing some. Yeah. Some they, they, they they just passed a bill through mm -hmm. for a new season season that. restructure. Mm -hmm. Um, but there was one thing about it that stuck out to me. Uh, is they're doing a, uh, in the first ten days of the season, mm -hmm. they're doing a one bird limit. Mm -hmm. Sort of like Missouri at that the split. Right. Right. Do you think like? It, do you think that would have any kind of significant impact? Because I think the reasoning behind it was so there would be more gobblers to breed the hens. Yeah. Or do you th so um, every year, um, so I, I, uh, Charles Ruth, who's the, the turkey program coordinator in South Carolina, I know mm -hmm. him really well. It, every year we have a big meeting where all the, the turkey biologists for the different state agencies and the, the National Wild Turkey mm -hmm. Federation and the different universities doing turkey research, we all kind of get together and huddle up in the summertime and, okay. and compare notes and talk about, challenges and all that so i here in a couple of weeks when we have that i'm sure i will get the full rundown of, of what's happened in south carolina so not um you know not being from there and being really in the loop i don't want to offer too much right. in that regard right um, but i bet you know you, you you may have hit on it. there there is some thought to hey well, when should the timing of, of this harvest be and so that split may be some way yeah. of trying to address right. that well, right just looking at it from outside looking in it looks like a good deal to me because here you'll have you know the early season they're grouped up yeah big old wads of turkeys no three or four guys that go together and they'll kill three or four turkeys in the same group right ain't no turkeys left for the hens so i don't know if that affects them or not right and you know i'm when, when i'm wearing my um if if i'm just wearing my turkey hunter hat and we're we're, we're, we're down at the camp you know sitting around the fire i'll, I'll tell you guys a, a whole bunch of stuff that i probably <laughs> wouldn't when i'm wearing my, my biologist hat so when i'm wearing my biologist hat i try to always stick to to what but I think we know based on science. Mm -hmm. And, you know, right now there is a, a question out there about, hey, when's the proper time to hunt these birds and are we hunting them too early in the breeding season? And I, I think there's a lot of lines of evidence to think that we need to take an evaluation of that. I right. don't know if the science is quite caught up to that yet and we, we know all we need to know, but we certainly we certainly need to consider it, uh -huh. I think. And that's yeah. probably what that, that South Carolina issue um, is looking at. Um, and I will say that, you know, turkey harvest um is is front loaded in the season yeah uh, so the majority of the harvest is going to occur within the first couple of weeks of the season here you know looking at our game check data the other day um about 50 percent of our birds were harvested um by march the 30th here okay 50 percent of the the, 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 har the the overall harvest happened before march the 30th here and that's probably the case most anywhere you know yeah. you've got right. i think some birds that 
aren't hinned up early or, or whatever, um, that they're just going to be vulnerable right off the bat. You, and you got a lot of people in the woods early. Mm -hmm. so yeah, you get them patterned out, you know, that time of year right. they're in the same spot just about every day. Too. Right. right. Um, so last question, and, and we'll let you go. So to, you know, the to the average person listening to this podcast, that's a, that's a turkey hunter. You know, what is what is what is some things that he could do, you know, talking about, you know, this is specifically in Mississippi, obviously. Yeah. What is the, what are things that he could do to to better, you know, whether he's a landowner, whether he's, you know, hunts only public land. I still think that there's things that they can do to help the wild turkey. Sure. So, you know, what are some things that you – Always something to do to help. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you know, I mean, uh, if you're a private landowner or have the ability to manage private lands, you know, we've hit on some of it. You know, there's a lot of different habitat practices that you can implement. Prescribed burning being a really, really good one. Um, you know, managing openings is important, I think, to attracting turkeys and, and providing brood uh -huh. cover and that sort of thing. So those, those kind of management actions that are – um, making turkey habitat or preserving turkey habitat, you know, kind of protecting your hardwoods, don't convert those over to something else. Those are the things if you're a landowner you can do. And we talked about it earlier, but, you know, there's resources out there both with, with our agency and others to, to help on the ground look at things with you and mm -hmm. um, guide you through that process. Is uh, trapping, is that a big, I mean, does that help a lot if you trap? Well, I, again, I, 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 I'll go back to, kind of put my science hat on for a second i always encourage people if if you enjoy recreational trapping knock it out you know mm -hmm. some of the best woodsmen that i know are trappers yeah. i think trapping um it teaches you a lot about animal behavior and that sort of thing that you might not otherwise pick okay. up on and so uh if if you want to do that uh go ahead I'll, I'll say that the science uh we don't there's not been a lot specifically looking at um, trapping and predator removal on turkeys, but there have been on other ground nesting birds. And generally what it shows is it, you can sometimes have an effect. It's not an across-the-board effect every year, but sometimes you can improve things via trapping. But you have to be doing it over a really, really large area very, very intensively. Yeah. And so one of the reasons most biologists just don't automatically throw that out is the first thing you ought to do is because to do it right, to do it over a really large area yeah. very intensively, is is either going to be very costly because you're going to have to hire somebody or very time-consuming. And that's just yes. not... Somebody told me one time the average number of raccoons per acre is just crazy. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know if I, I... I'd hate to wager that average just <laughs> right, off, to right off the top of my head. But yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's, it's, you know, return on investment, you're better better off putting your money into habitat management right. because that that action will last longer and it's generally going to probably be a lower input to do. Okay. Um, so, you know, that's options that you can have. Um, but, again, by all means, if you like traps, yeah. I mean, go, it ain't going to hurt yeah, anything. Yeah, it's not going to hurt. Go, yeah. go run you some traps. But um, then as far as, uh, you know, if, if you don't have access to land or whatever, I mean, I would encourage people to join the National Wild Turkey Federation. Mm -hmm. They do great work. It's, it's a real privilege of, of my job to um, be able to work with th that organization that's dedicated to turkeys. And so I'm able to see kind of firsthand where some of that money that goes it's raised at local banquets mm -hmm. and see it get put back on the ground. A lot of that's put back on public land. So right. if you're a public land turkey hunter, you know, that's an option to join something that can um, better those Did public lands. That. That's good. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and then, and then you know, I, I guess, you know, be involved with your, your state wildlife agency and um, your, your conservation organizations like Turkey Federation yeah. and, and, and um, try to try to see us as your friend. You know, yeah. like, like I say, I'm a turkey hunter too. 
Um, maybe there's sometimes when we do things or say things you don't agree with, but keep in mind almost everyone who has this job working for a state wildlife agency is in it because we really care about the resource Excellent. and we care about the people hunting the resource. Yeah. And, and in almost every case, we're hunters too. Yep. So we're trying to do our best and trying to do right by the, the resource yeah. and the hunter. That's something a lot of people don't think about. Yeah. Y'all do it because you love these critters. Yeah, yeah. It's certainly a, not for the money. That's, that's yeah. why you started doing. That's yeah. why yeah. you wanted to do right. the turkey deal because yeah. you love right. turkey. Yeah, right. Right. and that, that's part of one of the reasons. And just to, to, I think, to bring yeah, educate or bring awareness on that you know that y'all are here to help us. You know, right. you see someone in the Department of Wildlife that's not like oh that's not whether it's you know a game warden or whatever they're here. They're here to help us. They're right. here to help, you know, these animals and, be and a, here. And a lot of times I, I learn just as much from, from other people. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know everything there is to know about a wild turkey. I don't know that anybody does. But, you know, interacting with other landowners and hunters a lot of times makes me think of something in a new way or see right. something I didn't see before. So right. it's a two-way street for yeah. sure. Absolutely. Um, well, man, thank again, thank you yeah, for coming by it. today. Enjoyed uh, it. And, and what we'll do um, when we post this, we'll get uh, – like the web link to that to that plan that you're talking about so it would be accessible to everyone that, that listens to it um man I've, I've learned a good bit today i enjoyed that um so yeah, yeah. awesome yep. well Enjoy. now we just we got a long wait till next spring right yeah too <laughs> we, long we're not done yet. Oh, we're yeah. Leaving oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh yeah 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 we got the, one more we leave from uh minnesota and wisconsin yeah gonna no i'm it. done man I, I i like i was telling y'all before we went on i think i got little kids so it kind of yeah. it's I, <laughs> I'm in I'm in sort of a stage of life where I can't go as much as I would like to. I, I just had one two weeks ago. I don't know how you're getting away then. I'm I got, impressed. I got a good wife. <laughs> yeah. And understanding one, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Anyhow, um, so guys, I hope y'all enjoyed this conversation as much as all of us did. Again, we'll post these links when we put this podcast up. And uh, stay tuned for the next one. Thank you all for listening to the Speak the Language podcast.